Again, why did I ever think this was a good idea? Welcome to the Rise and Run podcast. Join our group of Run Disney friends as we talk about running at Walt Disney World and beyond. We'll discuss recent runs, training, upcoming races, and surprise topics suggested by you, our listeners. Well, the alarm's gone off, so let's go. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Welcome back to the Rise and Run podcast, episode 29. Oh, man, it's my favorite night of the week. We get to sit around and talk about running, all things running, run Disney, and running at other places like that. I'm Bob. I'm here with you in Florida. I'm here tonight. We've got a full house. The gang's all here. Alicia is with us. Hello. Hi, Alicia. Lexi's with us. Hello. Good to see you, Lex. Missed you last week. I know. I missed you guys, too. I know. Glad to have you back. John's here. How you doing? John, you know I'm doing good. You know. <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, Greg's with us. Hey, hey, hey. And Jack is here. Hi. Hiya, Jack. Good to see you. All right. I'm going to start tonight. I haven't done this for a while. I'm going to start with the alibis and apologies section of the program. This will be relatively short. I'm listening to the replay of our podcast early Thursday morning, and I hear myself say Christy's from Minnesota. And as soon as I say it, I go, Christy's not from Minnesota. She's from Michigan. I know she's from Michigan. She's always talking about it. I remember when she talked about that brewery, virtual brewery run she did through Michigan, and she's up by Detroit. So I'm sorry, Christy. I saw that you picked up on that and told me that the apology was already accepted. So I appreciate that, too. Uh, end of the apologies and alibis section gang. We got a nice interview later on tonight. My friend Boyd has a very, oh, I'm going to say very inspirational and dramatic story to tell. We're going to talk to him about running this year's Boston marathon and about his life as a runner. Please stay tuned for that. We think you'll enjoy it. Here's the part where I asked the question, John, do we have any new reviews this week? Yes, we have some reviews coming in. So, All right. Uh, this one actually came in before last week's episode dropped. Awesome podcast. I found this podcast after I interviewed Brittany Charbonneau when she won Dopey, and I've listened to every episode they have. I love the fun aspect of running Disney and the race report sheets week. I can't wait to listen to each new episode on Thursday while easing into my workday. That's nice. uh, in, Lizley, in Leslie's Corner. Nice. Nice. Thank you. Of course. Yeah. Brittany's become a friend of the show. We, oh, we love having her on. She's a lot of fun. We'll talk more. We're actually going to talk a little bit more about that in a minute. Got some more here. So Chitola Dragon, a great group of friends. All my real life friends are sick to death of hearing me talk about Run Disney. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I remember reading that one. Yeah. This podcast makes me feel like I'm part of the great group of friends that share my interest. I started around episode 20 and binged them from all to catch up. I was so sad when I got to the end and had to wait a whole week for another one. <laughs> That's sweet. I appreciate it. Why do you think we do this? Nobody wants to listen to us <laughs> in our families either. So we get a chance to do this That's every week. So true. I'm it just is. honored that someone binged us. I mean, when, oh, yeah. when you tally up all those episodes, I mean, that has to be close to a day's worth of hearing the six of us oh. talk. So, <laughs> well, I think so. About it. it takes a special person to want to do that. So thank you yeah. so much. Yeah, you're right. And, you know, uh, 
reminded me that this Thursday we go live on Zoom at 8 p.m. Eastern. And if you want to talk with us about Run Disney, we'll listen. I promise. We'd be happy to have you hit there. Uh, details will be on the Rise and Run Facebook, Rise and Run Podcast Facebook group page. The uh, link to hit that in Zoom. Okay. Two yeah, more, go Bob. Two go more. for it, John. Yeah, thank so, you. So even the opening makes me smile. Jody Travel Wine. You you know an opening that teases about the 3 a.m. wake-up call is the right podcast for me. <laughs> I enjoy the team, the race reports, and the smile it brings on my runs. Jody from Disney yeah. with the Ducks podcast. Oh, Disney with the Ducks podcast. I, I'm i going to own up to the fact I haven't listened to that, but I will look for it. Jody, I'll look for it, and we'll give it a listen. I'm more shocked that my yawn makes someone smile. But. <laughs> I like that. You know <laughs> We tease each other all the time about the fact that uh, it says 3 a.m. Well, that's pre-COVID wake-up times. Gosh, you that's better true. be up by 2.30 nowadays. You're hitting the bus at 3 a.m. Yeah, Sometimes in fact, earlier if you have a Sometimes costume. earlier. You're right. That's <laughs> right, right, We'll, we'll, we'll yeah. change the alarm clock to a, a bus horn. <laughs> <laughs> you said you had one more, John? Yes. This is from dw for me Amazing. Glad that I discovered this and everyone, as I only have 28 episodes to catch up on. All right. Why should I care about old episodes? Well, I've recently signed up for my first wine and dine. Listening to the old episodes prepare me for something that I might not be familiar with since I've only done Princess and Star Wars. Okay. Yeah. Well, another binger there. No, it's great. We love, no, first of all, we love all our listeners. We really, I say it every week. We genuinely appreciate it. You take the time to leave us a uh, review and we just get a kick out of, we get a kick out of it. Now, what started all this is that we have a contest that's going to come to a head one week from today in episode 30, where Lexi has brought back from Paris, the two pair of Disneyland Paris 30th anniversary ears, Mickey Mouse ears. and. To be eligible to win, I'll say one more time, and I think we've made it pretty clear, I hope, we want you to, you need to leave a review either on Apple Podcasts or on Podcast Addict, which is where you can leave one if you have only Android-based platforms. We also need you to join us either in our Instagram account or in our Rise and Run Facebook group page. Or hopefully both. And then we're keeping a list. The cutoff date starts from the very first uh, review that was listed. But we're going to have to cut this off this Sunday, May 1st, will be the last day to drop a review and still get entered into the contest. Then on episode 30, we'll draw live for the winner of the years. We still haven't put pictures up yet, have we, gang? No. No, but I will make sure to put it this week. Well, thank you for that. On account of you're the only one who has them, so it kind of has to be you, Lex. But I appreciate it. Yeah, because um, Jack doesn't live with me anymore, so she can't do it. No, she can't I'm do it. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I miss you. Just tossed you I right under you. the bus there, didn't she, Jack? Hey, Lexi. <laughs> Wait for this. 
do you want to build a snowman? <laughs> okay, bye. What? No! You're supposed to say yes! <laughs> uh, nice, gang. I appreciate it. That's good. That's good stuff. Hey, last week, one of the things we talked about was some of the issues we had during uh, Marathon Weekend registration. We've had a week to rethink some of the comments we made. I'm going to start by saying I think we may have been, no, I'll check that. I think I may have been a little too optimistic with the idea that bibs might open back up. A week into it now, oh, you know, looking through social media, just kind of keeping my ear to the ground as much as I can. I We may see the rare and very brief opening of some bibs, but I think the bibs are gone. What do y'all think? At this point, I agree <laughs> from all everything. Yeah. I, I feel like it's a combination of a bunch of things, you know? Um, and, but part of it is during COVID everyone tuned into social media and was like, when they come back, how do we do this? And so everybody was talking about have five browsers open and make sure you get in right at this time and have yeah. one that comes in earlier. So I think part of the the demand at the front end increased oh, as yeah. opposed to some people who were like stumbled across it and was like, oh, I'm going to register for this now. Um, so I think that probably might have something to do with it. That could have something to do with the length of the queue that, that ultimately doesn't have much to do with how many bibs got sold that day. Because people with six browsers open who got a bib with browser number one either closed the other five or just let them lapse. So that really didn't add anything. But they would know at the they would know ahead of time that they needed to be there whenever the registration opened, as opposed to waiting until later. That could be. That could be. And. Yeah, I don't know. The more that I think about it, you know, if I could have hopped back into the time machine, I think the writing could have been on the wall in terms of how registration went for Wine and Dine. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it wasn't this quick, instantaneous sellout of everything. And I know Wine and Dine tends to be one of the more popular race weekends, but, you know, those were races sold out you know within a couple of days i mean obviously 5k and 10k went day of yeah but then half and challenge you know were a couple of days later so the fact that you know coupling the idea of it's marathon weekend so obviously that has a big following you have the anniversary for marathon and dopey right the nostalgic theme that everyone was really excited about and then the last and final thing is just a more general idea of revenge travel. Oh yeah, you know, that's true. you know, we're you know, we're you know, hopefully get entering the endemic phase of this pandemic, and you know, there's pent up demand not only to travel but to go to Disney World and also you know to be able to do run Disney races. Mm -hmm. Now the one thing that I have also thought about too, and again. We're also really got, not going to know this until after Marathon Weekend is over. But essentially, I think this boils down to two things. Is it, one, did they still cap the numbers? Or did they, in fact, go back to 
pre-pandemic numbers for race registrations. And there was just that many people that were interested in doing this. Again, we won't know what side right. of the coin that was until, you know, results are posted from, you know, Marathon Weekend in 2023. Right. But I, I think that's really one of the only two conclusions that we can draw from. I think, you know, like you said, people are comfortable traveling now. They saw Marathon Weekend 2022, Princess, Wine and Dine, and they're ready to get out there. Yeah, I think so. The person that I want to hear from the most in this and you don't have to answer if you don't want to, but one week later, Alicia, how are you feeling in terms of being, you know, shut out of this? I, I know you've been doing research in terms of charities and, and whatnot, but, but where, where is your head at one week post all of this? Well, I'm a lot better than last week. I'm not seeing fighting tears all day, every day. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it's still hard, but I'm trying to be positive about it. I'm still have a virtual marathon that I'm going to be training for this summer and I'm going to try and keep hope. Um, a lot of the charities still don't have their bibs. I'm on a lot of wait lists. So, I mean, there's still hope um, out there, but I mean, it is what it is. So if I get one, I get one. If I don't, um, I guess that was what it was meant to be. Um, it's still really frustrating that I was... I even had two credit card charges, um, pending charges that were on my card. Um, I was that close, but I mean, if it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. And that's okay. I I mean, I appreciate what you're saying and, uh, we just hope you get in because (laughs) I've said it before. It's not a run Disney event until Alicia's there. (laughs) Thanks, Bob. Yeah. I mean, I hope that it works out, but, um, there's not not a lot I can do at this point. I, I in all the charities that I can afford and I can be, um, and it's it's just a waiting game at this point, honestly. Yeah. Yep. Fingers crossed. Yep. Fingers crossed. All right. Let's move on a little bit here. I wanted to uh, go back to last week a little bit when we had our interview with uh, with Jack and with Brittany, and give you just a. I want to share just a little bit of the behind the scenes that we really couldn't uh, bring forth into the podcast last week. You listeners will recall that Brittany first came on the show not long after Dopey because she had won all four events. She sat with us for a while. We talked. We had a great time. But what you don't know is that during that interview, one of us asked Brittany what she was doing next. I don't recall who it was. Might have been Jack. I don't remember. It was me. I think it was, was Jack. It? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> because then Brittany talked about how she might try something a little longer in the spring. And she was thinking perhaps of doing a 50 miler. And I thought Jack was going to come through the microphone. She goes, Oh, I is are you doing Lake Sonoma? Are you doing now? Brittany being a professional runner, she can't announce that at this time because she hasn't, I don't know, maybe she hadn't officially decided. I'm not sure. But she couldn't tell anybody and she asked us not to tell and Greg edited it out and we all kept quiet about it. So we knew Jack knew and, uh, 
that's one of the things that you listeners didn't know about. It was kind of funny. I got it on the first try, the guess, because it was the month that she said the 50 miler was in and I knew yes. it exactly to be known as an elite race and that I was yep. very fortunate to have gotten in. And I was like, I, there's no other race that is known during that time. So it had to be that. No, you knew right, <laughs> you know right away. And, and, and one of my favorite memories from that recording is so a little bit inside baseball here. So obviously we can all see each other when we're recording, but obviously we're only recording audio and Brittany was verbally saying, Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh-huh. But the whole time she was doing that, she was nodding. Yes. But yeah, and, big smile. Big smile. Yeah, on her face. Again, yeah. I, I think that's when Jack wanted to jump through the computer screen. Yeah. But also, yes, did. <laughs> I, I know, I know y'all call it because we can see her, but the look on her face when Jack guessed it at the first time, she was like deer in headlights. Like, can I, uh, <laughs> so funny. So let's jump forward to, Jack's done Lake Sonoma. Of course, we know Brittany's there. We know that she won. Jack had to put her race report off a week because she was traveling. Greg and I contacted Brittany and said, hey, we think this would be really cool if you would just pop in. And we're not going to tell Jack about it. So Brittany, to her credit, came right back and said, oh, absolutely. I'd I'd be thrilled. It'd be a lot of fun and all that. And so we had her on the line for about 10 days. We kept it quiet. The rest of us knew. We kept it quiet. We recorded our first half of the program, and then I made some lame excuse for why I had to. In fact, I don't even think I made an excuse. I just said, oh, guys, I have to stop the recording for a while. I'll be right back. Walked into the other room away from the camera so no one could see me, and I'm waiting for a text message from Brittany saying, hey, I'm ready to go. Uh, go ahead and bring me back up. So. We did that. What we couldn't do, just because of the way our software works, we couldn't record the initial reaction when Jack found out that Brittany was with us. But that was really cool. So that was fun. We appreciated that. I listened uh, I listened to the interview as we did it, of course. I listened to it on the Thursday when we released it. And I listened to it again today very early this morning, because what struck me is that here we have two young women who are both taking on a incredible challenge. I could not, I could not imagine doing this event. I saw some of the videos, which by the way, let me, let me make an aside right now. We talk about passport to run every week and we kind of joke and say, (laughs) Oh, we haven't mentioned passport to run yet. But what we have never done, I don't think is really given passport to run fair uh, value and said, hey, listeners, Passport to Run is a YouTube channel that Lexi and Jack have where they record their various runs they've been to, and it's really pretty cool. So uh, that's that's another source for you to look at. Uh, YouTube, search Passport to Run, and you'll find it to them. The the Passport to Run video on this Lake Sonoma thing is really well done, Jack, and I, I got a pretty good feel for what that course must have been like. I looked at some of those trails sometimes. Honest to goodness, there were times that those trails were, I think, narrower than the width of my foot. Um, so, yes. That was actually. a good video. Um, I, it, it was really cool, too, for me to watch our Jack's video of 
Lake Sonoma. I thought that was awesome. Um, of And, like, from going from knowing Jack and, like, her being my best friend and watching her race but not actually being there and not actually doing it, it's just a really cool experience. Um, and it was beautiful. Um, but I will say, as of today, my video of the 10K in Paris is posted on Passport to Run. Where's that posted? Oh, Passport to Run? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, right. So if you listened a couple of weeks ago um, when I did the recap, now you can watch the video that goes along with it. There you go. Très bien, mademoiselle. Très bien. I was actually literally just about to say, well, Lexi posted this video today. And it's funny because I called Lexi today because it, it premiered today. And I said, Lexi, I loved the Your Paris 10K. She has this, like, beautiful joy about her. And it was so enjoyable to watch. It was so cool. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to put that out there. Go check it out. <laughs> I haven't looked at it yet, but I will. I promise it's a fun, it's a fun site. Um, well, let's get back to why I wanted to bring this whole thing back up. Number one, if you haven't listened to it, episode 28, the interview runs most of the show. I think you'll find it very worthwhile. And I started to talk about this before I got sidetracked that you've got two young women runners who are at, you got one who wins the race and one who finishes several hours later, but Still, what strikes me is the common thread that I heard from both women, from both runners, because that's what they are. They're both runners. And some of the lessons we can draw out of that, too, as folks who are just, and I, we, we throw this term just around all the time, who are just going to run maybe a marathon or just going to run a 10K. But there are a lot of lessons came out of this. Um, what struck me is one of the first things the two of you talked about, uh, Jack and Brittany, and I realize Brittany's not here, but that's okay. First thing the two of you talked about was the importance of training. I talk about that all the time, when especially for Dopey, but for any Disney run. And I think that really ties in to what we're going through right now, too, because According to the Jeff Galloway Dopey Training Marathon Training, all of the all of the challenge trainings um on the website on the Run Disney website, training doesn't start until end of June, July. Um, but it is it is so so important, especially if you're doing one of the longer races, to don't just wait until then to start your training. Like you have these next two months, two months in two days, actually, according to the start, because I believe it starts on June 28th, you have those two months to focus on strength, to, fo you know, to get your nutrition dialed down, um, to lose some weight if you're trying to do that before you start marathon training. Um, and really, you know, hone in on those things that sometimes whenever you're in the midst of doing 15, 20 mile runs, they kind of get pushed to the wayside. Oh, well, I don't have time to focus on this because I've got to do this long mileage. If you start now and not do any crazy long runs, if that's not in your training plan, stick with you know, two or three miles. If you're going from walking and trying to get your walking pace faster, focus on getting that walking pace fa faster for the next two months. There are so many cool little pieces 
that you can make your challenge or your marathon better whenever it comes time to actually start according to the training plan. To go off your point, Lexi, um, a lot of people underestimate walking as cross training. And if you do the Galloway plan later in the training, he has you walk. And if if you start walking those longer distance now, it can definitely help you in training. Um, so another thing that people can start doing now. My friends, as many of you know, I've done a lot of walking. I'm not going to talk about it much now, but I'll talk about that later. You're, you're spot on, uh, Alicia. Walking has a lot to do with your training. And I'm just going to put a little small insert in it. I think with beginning your training now and not waiting until day one, if anything, like Lexi said, three miles is a good mileage to have started. I think building a certain base that your body's like, I can do that. And then slowly work up that base so that by the time that you're getting to those 13, 14 miles or for the marathon, 20 miles, it's become so much easier because you already have that built up strength, that built up endurance. Yeah, good points. I'm, I'm going to bring this up again later in the episode, but Coach Twiggs will be with us next week. That's something we want to talk with him about. What kind of training to do to get ready for the training. But it struck me that both Jack and Brittany mentioned training within the first three minutes of the interview. The second thing that struck me, because it struck a chord all over, again, Jack mentioned it, but it struck a chord with the race champion. And that was her little quote about be a goldfish, but David told her to be a goldfish. And the message there was, hey, long distance runner, you need to have a short memory. You need to get by your struggle miles or whatever your struggling time was, get over it and forget about it and move on. I heard both these athletes talking about that. I heard them talking about that when it came to overcoming challenges. It applies to us at Disney too. Doesn't necessarily mean there's struggle miles at Disney. There might be, might not be, depends on how good your training was. But if they do come up, you got to forget about them. And if you're doing a challenge like Dopey or even Goofy, you could very easily have a bad race. Um, just off day, you know, being tired, whatever. Still be a goldfish. Move on to the next one because we're we're doing multiple races in a row. You got to do that. Be a goldfish. What you got, Jack? I was going to say, so I've kind of started doing this with road races in terms of, again, being a goldfish. That is going to be my mantra for the rest of my running career, I feel like. But um, Hashtag be a goldfish. (laughs) There you go. I I like it. (laughs) I feel like with road running, if you want to start breaking it up into certain smaller chunks, um, I really think water stations okay, let me just get to the next water station. I know that's in about three miles. And then refuel, regroup, rethink. And I think that's a good spot if anybody's trying to figure out, well, where should I kind of group my miles together? It was so much easier for ultras because I knew when my food was going to be. Oh, I'm going to get food at this aid station, solid. Or I'm going to see David at this next aid station, solid. So I feel like with running on road, or it could be like, oh, my family's here at this mile marker. Once I see them, cool, awesome, that I can then start my next portion after that and be like, okay, rethink my numbers of miles. I don't know. I don't know how you guys are, but. Jack, I had to check to see if you were looking at my notes or not, because my next note says (laughs) course strategy 
don't think big numbers. And both <laughs> of you said that. Both of you did. Uh, if you look on Brittany's Instagram account, the way she broke it out into the, I don't know, 10-mile increments or something, and you said the same thing, don't think big numbers. And again, you get involved at Disney. Don't think big numbers. I'm going to give you one anyway that's going to scare you. If you're doing dopey, your halfway point, and I haven't done the math lately, is at like mile 2.3 of the marathon. That's your halfway point. If you let that get to you, <laughs> you can't. You got to break it up. Don't think big numbers come up with a course strategy. Oh, I got a cool course strategy. Don't well, think we're, big numbers. Well, we're waiting. I got you. I got you. <laughs> Don't think big numbers. Think, what's my next park? And then get excited yeah. About, yeah. about all the characters you might meet. Like, yeah. that's what I think about. I'm like, okay, gosh, I'm at the Magic Kingdom park. Okay. Yeah. I still got like three more parks to go. I'm so excited. Like, that's no, how that's I a good one. It. <laughs> I usually, that is a good one. especially with the longer races or like with the, um, with the 10K, I didn't necessarily look at when each park was as much as I looked like, looked at, okay, there is two and a half miles in between this park and this park. So when I get to these road miles, they're like, ugh, more road miles. I'm just like, but I only have two more miles until I get to the park. I I get or I get to some monumental, like I get to see the castle in two. Oh miles. yeah. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. That's a biggie. Absolutely. I try to break them down in five Ks. You know, you know, five Ks, uh, you know, okay, got five K, okay. First five Ks down. Next five Ks down. Okay, we got four or five Ks in already. A little bit longer, the half's gone. Boom, we're we're almost there. It, like I said, smaller chunks are, I guess, yeah, better on your brain to say, oh, I'm only going to go three miles instead of I got to go 26 or yeah. 13. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit of a trick, a little bit of a mental trick, but it, it helps. Uh, next note. Now, this applies to Disney a lot. And... I encourage listeners who are getting down there to do Disney runs, not to be one of these people, but to understand these people are out there. And it was Brittany who at one point said, look, guys, this isn't the Olympics. And at one point, Jack said, I'm not sure what some of these people are doing. This isn't the Boston Marathon. And what they were alluding to was some folks are pressing for no reasons. And you'll see that at Disney a lot. You'll, you'll see people who press for really no good reason, but you just need to be a little bit patient and enjoy what you're doing. Comes back to another thing that both of you talked about, course memories. Brittany, who's running for a place in a time, doesn't have time to get her camera out and take pictures. Jack did. Well, Jack carried a camera with her for a, a good part of the run, but both of you talked about taking the time to enjoy what you're doing. How many times did Brittany say, and there I was at the top of the hill and I realized, hey, this is my job. What a great job. Or how many times has Jack said, I just have to do this course or I just enjoyed it because it's so beautiful. Enjoy it. Again, at Disney, you're going to get plenty of opportunity to do that. Take advantage of that and enjoy what you're doing. The whole point of doing a race is because it's fun. So that's really why, like, think of the core memories that you have um, from inside out. 
you want those memories. And the only way you could do it is by having fun and enjoying with it. And if you stress out about it, it's going to be overwhelming. So just remember, have fun. This is for you. You're not competing against anybody else. You're doing this for yourself. Okay. And now I know you're looking at my notes. Because no, my gosh, I swear <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> because my very next note says, both of you on multiple occasions expressed what we express a lot too, and that is the love for running. You talk about smiling all the time. I smile a whole lot when I'm running, especially down at Disney World. And why else are, for most of us, Brittany's doing it for, because uh, it's her job. Why are the rest of us doing it? Because we love running. Um, and uh, going back, just a couple of sentences, um, you know, doing it for yourself and making those core memories and everything. Some of my best memories from Run Disney races are because of the people around me. Oh, yeah. And, you know, oh, yeah, absolutely. especially now, I think even more so through COVID and through meeting you guys and um, just the community that has really risen up and gotten really strong while everybody could only be on social media, I think just makes the runs more enjoyable. And like we've said multiple times, you're never alone at run Disney races because you can always find somebody. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And the last note I have here segues really nicely from episode 28 which was last week, to episode 29, which is right now, to episode 30, which is next week, because both of you talked about how important coaching was to be able to finish this event. Uh, of, of course, we go back to Brittany again, professional runner. She's got a professional coach. Jack, you talked about how much Coach Twiggs helped you out in this mm-hmm. run. Who, by the way, will be with us next week for episode 30. So if you got a question for Coach Twiggs and a customized training plan, he'll be with us next week. I think it's amazing. If you're looking into doing a running coach, I really highly suggest it because trying to do a big accomplishment, whether it's a 5K, 10K, half, full, or ultra, any kind of distance, um, if there's a goal you want to be met, that coach is there to help support you in any way possible. And if you have any questions, they're very easily able to answer any questions and adjust your schedule according to what's going on with you. And that was, I, I truly believe that with coach Twiggs, who, which I highly recommend joining him, um, is probably the, one of the biggest reasons why I was able to finish that ultra in the time that was allotted for the race. That's good to know. And, and I know Chris appreciates that. I'm sure I know you've told him that. Yeah. And, uh, He's helped Greg and I a lot also, and we'll be, we'll be excited to be talking with him next week. And one of the things I also love about having a coach is if something's not working for you, for whatever reason, you can tell him and then you can find the thing that's working. Um, Cause I know with Laura, um, we've talked about my run walk intervals and she'd give me one. I'd be like, ah, this doesn't feel right. And be, she, she'd immediately have, we'll try this and this instead. And um, even with my other coach, Julie, that I had uh, for the for the Berlin Marathon, um, it sh- you know, she was awesome in in figuring out what worked for me and then expounding upon that to make me a better runner. All right. So there you go, guys. Uh, we love doing the interview. And I just wanted to 
address it one more time because I I personally drew so much out of it. And not only did I enjoy it, but I think there were lessons there for everybody. Um, All right, let's move along a little bit. Ruth started a thread for us on the Rise and Run podcast Facebook group page about favorite playlists to listen to while running along. I actually pinned it to the top of the page so you can make your own input there. We're going to talk about it this week, but we think we're going to put it off now a little bit. I did note with some interest, and I actually made this comment, that the first six people who posted their songs on their playlist that they liked, yeah, I didn't know any of them. So (laughs) that's just because I'm old. Okay. Uh, We talked about Chris being here. Chris will be here next week. Coach Twiggs, still time to send questions in if you wish. That's also pinned to the top of the Rise and Run Facebook group page. You can leave your questions for Chris there. Greg, you have entered into a challenge with one of our friends from the Will Run For podcast. You want to talk about that for a minute? Absolutely. So, you know, in following the gang over at Will Run For, I noticed that Tom had purchased himself a Peloton bike and really got involved with it and was always, you know, posting his rides on on Instagram and whatnot. So this idea clicked in my head of maybe we could do a little friendly podcast rivalry as it relates to Peloton and also, you know, tie in some good work into this, not only to help my physical fitness, his physical fitness, uh, you know, cross training as well, but, you know, to do some good with it as well. So what we're going to, we don't have an official title for it yet, but we're, you know, working off the theme of, you know, rise and run versus will run for, uh, we are both going to be tracking our miles on the Peloton bike for the month of May. And we'll provide weekly updates in terms of where we're at with mileage and everything like that. Uh, but we just decided today that the stakes of the challenge are going to be um, that whoever wins, that other person has to donate to a charity of their choosing. And in having this conversation with Tom, I found out that both of us will actually be running Dopey on behalf of charity. So when we were trying to figure out the financial amount that was going to be donated, I came up with this idea. I was like, you know, let's get a little cute with this. So uh, the winner will get $48.60 donated to the charity of their choosing. So, um, you know, we're going to be coming up with, you know, a little bit of artwork to like, you know, promote on social media and stuff like that. So keep your eyes tuned to that. Uh, you know, maybe we'll come up with like a special hashtag that, you know, if you are a Peloton user as well and want to follow along, you know, maybe we can coordinate, you know, him and I doing some rides together nice. uh, and whatnot. So, you know, just uh, keep your eyes peeled to social media for a little run Disney slash Peloton challenge for a good cause. This is clearly the Will Rise and Peloton 4 challenge. There we go. <laughs> okay. And Greg, we're counting on you. I know. You know don't, don't let us down. I'll try not to. <laughs> Good luck, man. I think it's great. I think it's fun. All right, gang. That means it's time for the race report. Before we get into individual races, uh, I mentioned it a couple times because it's one that's important to me. Jeff Galloway's run, the JG 13.1 is in May. You can register for that now. 
I'll talk about it more later. But I'd like to encourage you, if you're in the Atlanta area or if it's something you could travel to, and I said May, I think it's actually March. Uh, yep. Yeah, look into that one, please. Uh, this one's interesting. Our friend Laura over in the Netherlands. Uh, Laura talks about the Wings for Life World Run, which is going to occur May 8th, Sunday, May 8th, which she notes is Mother's Day in the Netherlands. It's Mother's Day here too, guys, May 8th. Mother's Day is early this year. But this is kind of a neat thing. It's a virtual run. I think it's 22 or $23 U.S. Uh, but what's neat about it is the start signal sounds all over the world at the same time. You start and you run until the race cart catches up to you and the race cart moves at a different speed. So it looks like a fun one to do. The uh, Wings for Life World Run Challenge. The charity there is Spinal Cord Injuries. So that one looks like fun. Unfortunately, Laura, I won't be able to do that this year. But I'll be looking for it next year. Runners last week, Margaret from the Orlando area ran the Simply IOA Corporate 5K. I saw pictures there. Margaret looked good. Bunch of uh, corporate tents set up. You said you had a good time on that one. It looked like fun. Laura, again, the two-mile walk in her hometown in the Netherlands. This was Laura's first event since having a baby just a few months ago. Hasn't been that long. The Honey Run in the Honey Run 5K in Denton, Texas, Caroline finished that one. I didn't notice last week that I was reading off the races that Caroline actually had two last weekend. Jeff did the Choose to Move 10K in Fishers, Indiana. Last week, I didn't know if it was a 10K or a 10-miler. I was having trouble last week. Bonnie finished the half marathon, the DTR trail race at John Dickinson State Park in Florida. Bonnie did a half marathon plus because she got lost on the trail. But she stuck with it and finished it anyway. I know what that's like. I've had that happen. I did a seven-mile 5K one time. I was not alone. I wasn't the only person who made a wrong turn. That is literally my biggest fear is getting lost. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, in some of the events, some of the ultras – I can see that being a problem. Normally in a road race, I've got plenty of people to follow. <clears throat> the the one-time trail races, though, can be different. And uh, the one where I was, it was actually in Nashville, Tennessee, where I got lost. It was in a park. It wasn't out on the road. The Ucrops Monument Avenue 10K in Richmond, Virginia. Now, I may be pronouncing, maybe Ucrops. I have no idea. But Sarah and her son did that one. It was her son's first 10K, and he did a sub-60 10K, which I don't care how old you are. Uh, sub-60 10K is significant. Uh, I think I said that Brandy was doing the run the bluegrass, but I was wrong because I was a week off. She had actually done it before. And here's the Caroline's second run. That was the uh, German Fest 5K in Munster, Texas. So Caroline had two over the weekend. Um Rob, who had who had finished the Brighton Marathon a few weeks prior, uh, got around to posting some photos. Rob, as I've mentioned, we have all sorts of skill levels of runners. Rob's a pretty good runner. He knocked that off in 316. I think that's pretty impressive for a marathon. He was a little disappointed. So good effort, Rob. I think that's a strong effort. He's got another one coming up. He thinks he's going to do a little bit better. 
All right, let's look at who's running this week. Margaret, by golly, Margaret, you're challenging Joe. I think that's pretty cool. I get Margaret on here every week for the last couple of weeks. Margaret's got another 5K this time in Claremont, Florida, the Blueberry Run 5K. The Moses and Miracles Raise the Barn 5K in Fort Smith, Arkansas, where you get breakfast when you finish and you get to push an Angelie's Angels rider. Joe's doing that one. That one actually has a virtual and live component, but Joe's doing live this time. Uh, Coming up this weekend, and we talked about this last week in one of those events that's well-known throughout the country, but not a Disney event. That's the Flying Pig Marathon weekend in Cincinnati, Ohio, is this weekend, April 29th to May 1st. Jeff is running a 5K, 10K, and half. That sounds familiar. And Jenna is running a half. Have fun on that. That's supposed to be one of the great runs. Our friend Jonathan in Israel is running a 10K in the city of, now he said this was hard to pronounce. I believe it's Herzilia. Herzilia. The the town is named after a fellow named Herzl, H-E-R-Z-L-Y-M-O-U-S-E, I think. But anyway, a 10K looks like a nice run. Jonathan will be doing that this weekend. The AWSC Shark Challenge, which is a virtual event. Christy, who lives in Michigan, by the way, and not Minnesota, is doing the 26.2 Mako Shark Challenge. Ruth, the same Ruth who I mentioned before, who started the thread on playlists, is doing the Vancouver Marathon in Vancouver, Canada. I want to see pictures of that one, Ruth. I imagine that's a very pretty event. And finally, Brianna is doing an event near and dear to our hearts, Greg, the Broad Street Run 10-Miler in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Okay, that wraps up our runners for this last week and this. Uh, We said earlier we had a special interview. And we do. We think you're going to enjoy listening to my old friend Boyd. Hey, guys, joining us now is my getting to be longtime friend, Boyd from Canada. Boyd, great to see you, man. Thanks for taking the time to join us. We're glad to have you here. Thanks, Bob. It's a pleasure to see you again. It's been a few years. Yeah, I was trying to think when the last time was. Uh, 2019. But, yeah, I think it's got to be. I yeah, it was. Be. You found me yeah. at the expo. It was that big. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. It's always a pleasure, man. I I look forward to it. Um, I'm gonna. I don't typically do this. I'm gonna take a couple minutes here. A little history, because I think it brings together the idea of how this community comes together and works. And I'll go back to when I first really discovered Run Disney it was 2015. A friend named Chris had a website. Uh, it's uh, Run Disney and Beyond. He didn't call it that then. He calls it that now. And I found the 2015 wine and dine race too late to enter. And I didn't know anything about it. So I'm following along here. I'm excited. And I'm watching. And that particular night, what happened is the thunderstorms rolled through and that that race got shortened. But Boyd was in that race. But back even a little further, I started training then for wanted to dine the next year. I even, I actually started early and 
Boyd was one of the first fellows online, and he's going to tell you a story here in a little bit that I'm not going to, I'm not even going to try uh, because Boyd's story is very impressive and very motivating. And I think you'll, I think you'll enjoy hearing from him, but uh, he motivated me in a way such as I'm in Alabama. It's a hot day. I don't feel like going out to train and honest to goodness, Boyd, there were mornings where I'd get up and I'd say to myself, I'll bet you that guy in Canada is getting up and running. And if he's doing it, by golly, I'm going to do it too. And we just don't know who we influence in that way. So that's my introduction. But we're going to get back to Boyd's story. I'm going to bring one of the reasons we decided to have him on right now is, Boyd, you just finished Boston number four. Yes, the fourth Boston Marathon. And you kicked butt, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I, uh, I I was joking that, you know, I must have trained about 800 miles of running to improve by seven minutes. So maybe yeah. I should have stayed home and just like, <laughs> no, <I'm> just <laughs> I, 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 uh, I had a seven minute uh, course record. You can call it, I guess, a personal best at Boston. Um, fastest marathon still Chicago. Uh, but Boston's a hard course for those that have run it. It's just, it's a hard course. So. Oh yeah, Boston and Chicago. No, I haven't done either. Chicago is flat and fast. Yeah, it is flat yeah. and fast, and you see people going really fast, and it pulls you along. But uh, Boston is hard. We were talking earlier. You were telling me that this year was really exciting up there. Yeah. Well, the, I've I've never seen that many fans. There were a million fans out. Um, but that's literally their enthusiasm. True. I'm sure pulled us through it, because it's an April race and COVID happened in March of 2020. They weren't, they didn't host Boston uh, in 2020. Obviously they did it virtually and then they held it in person last October. So this was the first time uh, that they had a spring. Well, they hadn't hosted the 5k in a thousand and nine days or something. So yeah. the 5k was there and I ran that, which was always a lot of fun. But then there was the first spring Boston marathon in a thousand days. And so there was just a lot of people out. I was there in 2018 when the weather sucked and there was three yes. people out there. I was going to ask you about that. I, you know, I, I watched the Boston Marathon. I, I watch it when it comes online. That had to be the worst weather I've ever seen for 40 run. years. Oh my God. I, I, I said to myself after running that and, and having run it for three years because some fool said I would never go, uh, I was like, I was good. I was done. It was just traumatic. We had three different elite females they were so far off the pace they were by us collapsing near us and we're like grabbing them under the armpits wow. like shoulders to to prop them up to get them to first aid tents and a girl who was a blade runner um you know like one limb with a blade yeah right she right was, she was just, oh my gosh i just there were 80 people hospitalized because of hypothermia yeah <laughs> but the, the the craziest part was i actually finished uh Right as Meb Kafelski finished the 2014 Boston Marathon champion. Oh, with Meb, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally ruined the charity. All these guys spent raised ten thousand dollars to run with Meb Boston, and some idiot in a yellow poncho named Boyd, the last Canadian, <laughs> jumped in for the. Like, I just gave him a hug. I said, "Meb, I can't believe you're here." So, anyways, um, Meb's another impressive. I've I've seen him, but never. I wouldn't. I say I've ever met him. 
but met him a couple times. Amazing guy. He won the yeah. 2014 Boston Marathon. This is a thing that a lot of people do not appreciate. They're like, were you there for the bombings? I'm like, I wasn't even a runner. That was 2013. The following year, a 39-year-old washed up over the hill marathon runner won the Boston Marathon. It, it, I still weep when I see that YouTube video. It's incredible. It's amazing. It is amazing. First yeah. American in 28 years. And, and the 2018 Boston Marathon that had that horrible weather, Desi Linden right. won it. She's yes. American from Michigan. Yes. She just, she had a jack. We saw them go past us and I'll explain why in a minute, but she, she had a jacket on and she's an American from the mm-hmm. North. And so the, the, the typical really fast Kenyan slash African runners couldn't handle the cold weather. Mm-hmm. And a Canadian Krista Duchesne, I think her name was, she finished third and she won the women's masters cause she was over 40, but now, not only was it cold, it was windy as can be. Wind? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was raining. 50, 50 mile an hour head storm, head wind. It was terrible. And there was two to four inches of rain the whole time. No, like, it was awful. I don't know if you guys have ever been out on a run where you go around a puddle. There's no way to go around the puddle. No. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I joked with the course official. I said, is this the swim portion of the race? Like it was a triathlon. Yeah. And, uh, ran, ran through the lake <laughs> instead. Um, are you run as a athlete with disabilities one year you were the top canadian performer in that category i was yeah so a couple things i have a i have a traumatic brain injury that causes ataxia or imbalance and i also live with spinal cord trauma which doesn't show up for a half marathon oh it doesn't right like i've i don't need a guide runner for a half marathon i'm cool with that um at Boston last week, around mile 18, my nerves just, it's not MS, it mirrors MS, it's called transverse myelitis. And okay. so it, like the whole body just shuts down. And so I'm literally taking my medication as a. Oh, really? Wow. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so anyways, um, first marathon was Disney in 2015 and that was an epic moment, but to apply to run Boston as an athlete with disabilities took about eight months of resilience and them asking questions. And I even had doctor's notes and the whole bit, and they still asked questions, more questions, and it dragged on and on and on and on and on uh, to get approved to run it. So it wasn't like, oh, well, you had cancer, so welcome. But um, this cancer doesn't get you in. But so 2016 was my first Boston. It was a special year. The coach of the Red Sox, John Farrell, asked to meet. So that was cool. 2017 though was just one of those years uh, a very close friend named jerry was sadly killed in a car crash in canada we were in ontario at the time and it was just so grievous um the him and his wife were celebrating 40 years of marriage and a, a young man just cut across the lane and killed him instantly and so um i've always run for jerry and yeah i had jerry with me while i was running and uh, just so you guys can see, he's always been with me. And so that year, I dedicated Boston to Jerry. 25-minute uh, personal best at Boston was the third-place athlete with disabilities, the top Canadian. And just as importantly, uh, the particular individual that said I would never run Boston and beat them by a minute that day. Nice. <laughs> like, I'm giving a virtual happened? high five. I was, I I was okay. so excited. <laughs> When we finished the race, I was jumping up and down, singing Victory in Jesus <laughs> at the top of my lungs at the end of the Boston Marathon. I mean, you know, it's really funny. Canadians do not 
like you can't talk about faith at all with Canadians. Like it just, we're all secret agents apparently, but <laughs> in Boston, I was just saying victory in Jesus. And I had a 25 minute personal, there were, there were people that were like elite dudes, like a guy named Steve Walters from Portland, a guy that I like look up to and like, we finished out of them. But in 2017 and 18, for whatever reason, the athletes with disabilities started the marathon an hour and 10 minutes ahead of the elites. Oh, wow. And so we got caught by the elites, like at the halfway point of the marathon. Okay. It was really bizarre. It was just me and Mike, my guide. Um, oh, yeah, that's another thing. So Mike Johnson guided me at, Dis- uh, at Boston in 2016 and 17. I met him at the, on a bus, on a bus the weekend of the Disney Expo or the Disney Marathon in 2015. It wasn't even at the Expo. It was just on a bus to go to the parks. And I'm like, hey, you're a runner. We should be friends on Facebook. <laughs> and I grabbed his phone <laughs> and added myself. And he was so offended by that. He was going to unfriend me because I said, oh, watch for me tomorrow. Watch for me tomorrow. And he's like, I'm not going to see you in front of 20,000 people. He thought that was stupid and offensive. But that particular weekend was my first marathon, which was at Disney in January of 2015. And I was asked to share my story on stage before 20,000 people because it was the Leukemia Lymphoma Society. So he oh, saw okay. me walk out on stage like, where's Waldo? And uh. there's more. <laughs> and so he's like, okay, this guy's not full of malarkey. Well, here's the best part. Mike missed qualifying for Boston by one second. Oh, good. Now, anybody that's run Boston knows you need a bit of time to whatever. But it's yeah, a, I need a cushion, second yeah. thing. So when I went to Boston in 2016, I took four Americans with me. I did not want to be around Canadians. They were like, well, and not all Canadians are like that, but it just seemed like the people I was around, some of them were just being, saying what I couldn't do. So I took two people from Texas with me. Mike's from Jersey. He's from New Jersey. Uh, And who's the other? Oh, yeah. uh, Mark. Mark from Florida. And so I brought Americans with me because I needed that energy and enthusiasm. So that was 2016. But then 2017 to, to go back. Oh, and Catherine Switzer asked to meet me that year. So that's that was nice. kind of exciting. Sure. Um, I'm like, well, see, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. We, <laughs> we got to meet in a private media room. Oh, um, I thought you were serious. No, 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 no. I, I would not screw around to Catherine Switzer, right? Everybody knows Catherine Switzer, the first woman to run Boston, attacked on the course by the race marshal. You can just Google yeah. Catherine Switzer. That's right. 1967. Yeah. She so. just ran last year, didn't she? She ran uh, it again. Yeah, I think she did. I think I she ran know. it last year. Almost positive. I don't know. She could have. I mean, she's a commentator. She's amazing. She's in her 70s. So, oh, should we talk about, when do we, when do we lead into the whole cancer thing and all that? I think this is a good time. This is a good tie-in, right? Like, I think this is a I'm good time. Shy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So. Why am I so passionate about running? Why do I love Disney? Why do I love running at Disney? So in 2011, we welcomed our daughter, Abigail, into our family with two boys, Stephen and Nathan. And so we had three kids in six years. And at that time, we were living in Ontario, which is London, Ontario is halfway between Detroit and Toronto. And so life was crazy and totally hectic. And my best buddy and I had grown up in Vancouver. So we were Vancouver Canucks fans. And so we're like, oh, let's go see the Vancouver Canucks play the Boston Bruins in the Stanley Cup finals because it would be really cool to go back to Boston. I was in Boston years ago and Boston's a really cool city. So we went and it was chaos and the Bruins destroyed my Canucks. And (laughs) 
I joked with Jeff that the only way I would ever go back to Boston is to run the marathon. It was a joke. It's kind of like only way I'll go to Spain is to run with the balls of Spain. I enjoy Got being you. a slightly overweight mortgage broker. I was gonna say at the time you're not a runner at all, right? No, I was a size 38 pant and thought my life was perfect. <laughs> I enjoyed. <laughs> I thought that golfing twice a week was like a thing to do. Oh yeah. And I don't say I'm just sharing my own story. I'm not judging anybody. I just thought it was kind of cool. And uh, July 1st, which is Canada Day, which is three days before American Independence Day, uh, something came upon me horrible. I felt a sickness come upon me. It turned out that I was diagnosed with acute myeloid leukemia. So AML69 is a horrible, horrible, horrible cancer diagnosis. It's blood cancer. It's basically a terminal diagnosis. It is not a good scenario. After three months of research, I'm trying to find a donor, all that stuff. I was told that without a stem cell transplant, I pretty much wasn't going to live the year. And so the community in London, Ontario rallied and said, do what you want. And so guess where we took our family? We took those kids to Disney. <laughs> and Abigail was like six months old. Nathan was two. Stephen was six. My mother-in-law came. I am like, completely crippled and disabled in like a scooter and Denise is pushing a double stroller and uh came home from that a friend took me to Israel because I'd always wanted to go to Israel which was amazing I loved it and thought yay life is going to be perfect and then my cancer relapsed because the Canadian healthcare system isn't as amazing as some Americans wanted to believe some clerks out on my file for three months they had the donor oh what? So, all that to say, uh, supernatural intervention, uh, God delivered me of acute myeloid leukemia twice in eight months through people's prayers, but also through getting chemotherapy and radiation, a lot of chemotherapy and radiation. You have to be in remission to have a stem cell transplant. There was a girl oh. five years later named Erin, who I was asked, would we, you know, encourage her, pray for her? And the community raised $800,000 to send her to Texas. And she died because they couldn't get the cancer into remission. <clears throat> Anyways, so stories like that. There's a lot of stories. Time for terror. A lot of people died. And so um, I'm gonna I'm gonna pause for a sec. The the line from uh, Captain America: Winter Soldier, where they're like, "Cap, what are you doing this weekend?" He's on the jet plane. He's like, "I don't know," because all the guys from my barbershop quartet are dead. That line resonated with me because I lost a lot of friends to cancer that time. Anyways, um, cancer was in remission and I had a life-saving stem cell transplant at the Juravinsky Hospital, which my wife found on the Google in Hamilton, Ontario, which is not in Toronto. It's about an hour from Toronto uh, because it turned out they had a world-class facility too. Uh, that was horrific. It was the hardest part of my life. Um, you know, you go for a, a year of chemotherapy to then get to that. They give you chemo and radiation and it removes everything. So you were given an unrelated stem cell transplant. That was the biggest part that was the difficult news because sometimes a family member can be a stem cell donor. And so they explore that first. And so because I have one sister and um, she, she just wasn't a match. It's like a one in a million thing, right? So I have this life-saving stem cell transplant and I come home from that and I'm eating spaghetti at the kitchen table and my face goes numb and that's when the spinal cord injury happened and they misdiagnosed it. They thought it was 
bladder infection because it was in the C3 in the neck and the L5. And they sent me home. So that was really unfortunate. And so uh, the brain injury also happened somewhere, I think the year before, just from a crap load of chemotherapy. I'm like a drunk sailor on a ship. I went on a Disney cruise and threw up for four days. So that was a lot of money wasted. Oh, jeez. I didn't need to do that to confirm I had a brain injury. But a um, lot, of, lot of health issues. And so um, we found out in the spring of 2013, because you can put your name in the registry that you want to meet your donor and the donor needs to be, want to be willing to meet you that this gentleman was an American Naval serviceman named Nathan Barnes, who was in the U.S. Navy, deployed overseas. Yeah, he was in Japan at the time. He was in Japan. Sorry, I still get choked up. The U.S. Navy. Oh, no, I get it. (laughs) The U.S. Navy paid to to fly this guy to America to get his DNA to save my life. Yeah. And and the odds of this... One in a million. It's one in a million. Is that literally one in... I I know it's extremely high. It's, it's, I thought it might even been worse than that. It's a million thing. And but our blood, my blood type changed and some other weird things. Yeah. Like hair went curly, cravings for <laughs> meat turned to fish, weird things like that, right? <laughs> and um, anyway, so I thought, okay, well, got to meet this guy. But he was deployed overseas. But the other thing that happened shortly after connecting with Nathan is a friend said, I want to run a marathon for you with the Leukemia Lymphoma Society. I said, that's great. Where is it? It goes in Alaska. I'm like, I guess we're going to Alaska. So we, uh, I helped him raise. We were on the radio. We raised 10000 US dollars to go to Alaska. Wow. I brought his son. I brought my son Stephen with me. That was so exciting. I came home from that trip. And in spite of my nerve damage, brain trauma, and a thousand other things going on with me, um, you know, eye problems, dental issues. I had 200 yeah. medical appointments in one year. It's four weeks, right? <laughs> oh, like, this is not in spite of, or this is not, oh, he's better now. It's in spite of the ongoing things. I bought a pair of shoes and started running and ran like seven half marathons in 2014. And the biggest, I think one of the things that saved our, our family literally was just going to Disney. We, we went to Disney like eight times. And so Denise, my wife, she's like, look, the Disney marathon has had spots open up. Why don't you train for and run a marathon? And I literally, I do not think I would have run a marathon if it wasn't for Disney. And so I'm like, hey, I called, the, I called up, I called up the, the people that run Disney. And then they're like, oh, the charity's team and training. I'm like, perfect. So I called them and I talked to this girl in Hawaii. I'm like, I'm a blood cancer survivor. What do you think? And so rewind back to meeting Mike on the bus. The day we, I was invited to share on stage before 20,000 people. Before the half marathon, that was so intimidating. I like, I wanted to throw up, and and, and the, the hype man, whatever his name was, kept talking over me, and I'm like, oh geez, but you know, no pressure. Ran my first marathon that day, and it was it was uh, it was such a profound moment. Um, the running community in general, the the response was overwhelming. I mean, there were thousands and thousands and thousands of comments. Uh, likes, shares, posts. Um, it was just a thing like, you know, thank you. I'm a marathoner. Thank you, Jesus. Cancer did not win. It was something like that. It was just something simple. The response was overwhelming. And after that, I was hooked 
on the whole Ron Disney thing because Ron Disney was just all. I mean, oh, you go there awesome. as a disabled yeah. adult, it's fun, but then to go there and run the freaking marathon. So, like, I still got the shirt, but you know, it's a well worn, but it's Mickey running a marathon, right? And so, 2015, we went back for the wine and dine, and that wine and dine, the trip was my probably my most favorite trip to Disney was 2015, but the race got ruined. And so what do you do when things don't work well? You just go back. And yeah, the Run Disney Beyond was a Facebook group that Chris had started. And uh, that's where I started sharing. And I just, I mean, I, I can honestly tell you guys, it probably took three years for me to get past the imposter syndrome as a runner, right? Or I didn't really feel like I was worthy. Uh, Wayne's World, right? We're not worthy. But my story kept resonating with people. And so Bob and I connected at some point for that race and Chris and I were at the same hotel. And so anyways, Chris gave me a ride to the start and that's where I met you, Bob, the one day, met a few other people and it was just the simplest thing. I mean, I was so overjoyed. Um, take it back a step. I got into Boston as an athlete with disabilities in 2016. So running my second marathon, I took like 25 plus minutes off my Disney marathon, which was over five hours to this Boston marathon, which was a huge accomplishment. And so when your confidence starts increasing, right, the body achieves what the mind believes is possible. Um, my time kept improving and, you know, it took me 12 half marathons to break two hours out of half marathon. And a friend in Canada, they're like, of course you did it at Disney because everything <laughs> magical that you do is at Disney. And so I broke two hours. I think, Bob, it was like a 158, somewhere around there, but it was under two hours. And I remember I was just so excited, and I met this couple from Texas, and we were both wearing the same blue singlet. And the guy's like, oh, that's why I didn't break two hours on the half marathon, because I was holding these um, margarita-flavored running gels. Oh, yeah, yeah <laughs> right, like, right, right, right. I forgot right. to get my gels. I'm like, well, yeah, I might have to do something with yeah. the training. Yeah. But uh, but then I told them both about having had blood cancer. Oh, and having the DNA of an American Naval Serviceman, which people seem to be really excited about. Um, they were just like overwhelmed. But then when Bob finished, I was tracking him. And dude, I was just generally, I was thrilled for you, right? You were around 220, somewhere around there? Uh, yeah, it was around 220. You were around there, but you were like a dude in your 60s, right? And it was, it was like a moment for you. And I just it called was. and we talked. And I know. You sharing now, I didn't realize the impact that it had on your life, but I kind of knew that, right? No, I, I tell that story, but I tell that story a lot. And and again, it's just emblematic of the Run Disney family or running family in, in general. Seven marathons, seven years. I'm like, this has to happen. Oh, the, the challenge, guys, wasn't that he didn't want to meet or I didn't want to meet. We connected on Facebook in 2013, and I kept saying, oh, this guy saved my life and blah, blah, blah. And, but the, the, the guy's an active naval service, right? Like, it's... And so his, the boat that he was on finally got deployed to Jacksonville. And so um, the only thing I had to confess is I lied to my mom for like nine months. My mom's like, oh, Nathan's in Florida. We should meet. I'm like, oh, no, it won't work. I won't work. Like, I, <laughs> I called up the guys that run Disney from that, you know, I'd met over the years, the, the executive producer, Steven, so-and-so. I'm like, Steven, hey, remember I was complaining to you last year about blah, blah, blah. And I've got an idea. And so they put me in contact with the media relay, Emily Amato. She was my media relations person with Disney. I thought my wife was going to shut this down. Here's another side note. My wife is a total introvert. Ain't no party like an introvert party because the introvert party didn't start. She hates <laughs> all this stuff. 
<laughs> Emily and I were sure this thing was going to blow up, but she's like, look, just do it. And so we, the media people at Disney does media pretty well. Right. And so oh, they reckon, said, yeah. we knew it was happening. And then I finally told my mom the morning of, so she didn't have a heart attack on live camera and die. Nice. Um, we're meeting Nathan and my, my mother-in-law was there and my whole family was there. And so, um, it was really, really weird and surreal. And you see those videos, right? Of somebody meeting their stem cell donor at a restaurant or whatever. But we met at, under the tree, the circle of life at Animal Kingdom. We're like, oh my God. And so I'm sure you can hear my hyper energy. I was really, really hyper that day. So my wife's like, look, you take Nathan and go elsewhere. So I'm introducing him to cast members. Two things that they said. One, thank you for your service. And the other thing was, the girl goes, are you lying to me? I'm like, what do you mean? Why did I lie to you? She goes, because you look so healthy. I'm like, thank you for saying that. But this is the guy that saved my life. And so the whole idea of that weekend was that I pitched the idea to run Disney. Why don't I run the Wine and Dine Half Marathon, which was by far my most favorite run Disney race. It's my favorite event. Uh, I've had the pleasure of doing it three times. I would have done it 10 times if I could have. Um, and at the end of the half marathon, the guy gives me the medal and here's U.S. Naval Serviceman Nathan Burns. And like people were in tears. It was like, yeah, it of was course. so emotional. Like he gave me like a, passing on the baton for life and the whole bit. So, yeah, I, I want to go in, tap into that emotional aspect for this a bit. Uh, so obviously not a similar story to yours, Boyd, um, but my my mother tragically passed away about uh, 12 years ago from a stroke. And I remember when I got to the hospital, uh, you know, after getting the call that, you know, she was rushed there, um, I was greeted by hospital staff and put into a room separately before even getting to see my family or get to see my mother. And the first person that I spoke with was a representative from the Gift of Life Foundation, um, which has a huge office here uh, in the city of Philadelphia. And they were essentially the ones to tell me what was going on and that these were, you know, when the inevitable would happen, these were the options that could be laid out in terms of harvesting their organs or, right, you know, it, right. you know it, things couldn't be used, you know, other ways to, right. to talk about that. But the one thing, you know, that you had mentioned earlier that, that resonated with me is about, you know, once you know, once something happens in terms of, you know, if there is ever going to be a match, there is, you know, that, that one year waiting period. Yes. So now, unfortunately, I, you know, we've never known if, if there was a match for her or, or anything like that, but walk, walk us through the emotion of number one, knowing that your match wanted to meet with you. And then, Talk about the emotion of those conversations that you had for seven years, because obviously, you know, being delayed in terms of him, you know, serving the country and everything like that. And then finally, and most importantly, talk us through the emotion of actually getting to meet him in the animal kingdom. So one, I was told by the hospital in Canada, like the likelihood, there's a high likelihood that your stem cell donor is going to be somebody from Germany. The reason is, is that when you turn 18 in Germany, they put, oh, oh, here's the thing for stem cell donors. It's usually a male between 18 and 35. Men statistically are 30% larger with their bone density, which they take the marrow from. And when women have babies, their immune system improves, which makes them not a good donor. Hmm. Don't ask me why. I don't know why. 
So anyways, so I'm expecting some guy from Germany, right? And we find out like it's just some guy named Nathan from Dakota and there's no just, but it was like, okay, it's Nathan from Dakota. That's great. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, what's his phone number? Like, well, we can't give you his phone number. We, you can email him. Mm -hmm. And, and it just, it, it slowly evolved, right? It slowly evolved. And I thought it was cool that he was an American Naval serviceman. But then when I started running and I, I had some of the best athletes in the world at Boston asked to meet with me because of my story, the, the importance of it dawned on me. We, we became friends immediately and I'm like, okay, let's do this. But I'm, I'm very extroverted, but I'm also private in the sense that I don't like trampling on my wife won't believe me because we're married, but <laughs> I don't like just like lies. No, I don't like trampling on other people's business. If I know somebody's busy with work and doing their thing, I don't want to whatever. But I didn't imagine that it was going to take seven years because it seemed like it sort of might happen. Like for one year, he was repositioned to San Diego. And so I thought, well, maybe that could work. But just being on medical leave and, you know, it's permanent medical leave. And so, you know, my wife was working and all that stuff. And so... I mean, our family's focus was Disney and turning that into running and being at Disney. Like, like we did eight trips in nine years. We did five October trips. Our daughter, by yeah. the time she was like nine, had been to Disney. She didn't even know what Halloween was in Canada. She thought that, oh, Mickey just comes and dumps candy on your bed. You know, having to go door to door. What's this nonsense? So... There was always this, this has to happen. And my wife, no, the best compliment I ever got was from my mother-in-law. She said, boy, you're by far the most determined person that I've ever met. And so it had to happen. I knew it had to happen. But when the opportunity finally sort of seemed to click, the first person that I reached out to was Nathan. I said, do you want to do this? He goes, yeah, we'll do this. And then the entire nine months, part of the reason why I didn't tell my mom what was going on is the Navy could have said, we're gone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They, 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 let's go. Right. Like, believe it or not, um, there's been some wars going on for the past decade that, you know, I mean, the, your service people are in active service. He, he was, he enlisted at 18. He was 24 years old when he saved my life. But you know, it's like, uh, so all that could have happened. Um, we had to clear a thousand hurdles for it to come together. But like, I have two opinions of Disney. One is the greatest place on earth outside of heaven. And Disney knows how to fix it. They just fix things and they make it right. Like they, they call it the magic of Disney. And so Emily Amato and uh, Steven, all these people working behind the scenes, like there is this media crew of like eight people working to pull it off. It just felt at that point like I was just kind of swept along for the ride. And the other thing that was horrible for it, I mean, everybody put your hand up if you're a runner, right? Ever had like a foot injury in say August of 2019, two months before I'm supposed to meet Nathan and you know, you're on TV yeah. and you're like, oh geez. So I had to work through a lot of massage and treatments. It wasn't plantar fasciitis, but it was on the side of the foot and it felt like it, but a lot of treatments to to get there and so um that was the half marathon that i met nathan and so 
Um, we, we, we haven't been we haven't been to Disney since since late 2019. So, Boyd, I know you had mentioned earlier that you know your favorite Run Disney event is Wine and Dine, but pitting your first ever Disney World marathon versus the half that you ran at Wine and Dine when you got to meet Nathan, which to you stacks up as your favorite or or most memorable you know run disney event so for anybody that has two or three children you can't have a favorite kid (laughs) (laughs) you can't have a favorite kid that's a pretty good answer i don't know man like i I just thought i never thought that like this thing with nathan was gonna happen but it's it's both i i really 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 dislike the marathon distance not just because of how hard it is my body starts breaking down during the middle of the race every single time. I love half marathons. That was my 21st half marathon. But, you know, they don't do a mega music half marathon. They don't do a Netflix half marathon. They don't do a whatever. Oh, I'm just going to do a popcorn half marathon. Nah, you got to break through with the 26.2. So for whatever reason, um, they're both epic. But I'm super, super glad that, I met Nathan after the half marathon, so I didn't look like crap. And I came in with the money shot, right? Like I'm running, like like I know what I'm doing, right? Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not like limping across the finish line and broken and and, and whatever, you know. Like, uh, nah, like a scene out of Chariots of Fire. Scene out of Chariots of Fire. <laughs> I just, it was, it was literally this moment. I had three gels in my mouth, and I went, spit one out, and I landed the garbage can. Spit a second one out, landed the garbage. Spit a third one. And it was just like perfect. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like the only thing that I would have asked them to do differently, and this is kind of narcissistic of me, was to do the Lance Armstrong, right? Where they put the the tape up for him during the Boston Marathon, even though he didn't win it. That like that would have been the moment. But I didn't win. But I felt like I won, you know? So it's it's both, but I was uh definitely a much better athlete. What was uh five plus years later, but also a much more enjoyable distance. I mean, it would have been cool to do the 5K, and yay, the end of the 5K, we're doing this. So. Oh, and the other thing that was cool is uh, Fox News spelled my name wrong and gave me credit for running a marathon when I only ran a half. So, and they, yeah, they left the E off and, and all that stuff. So, yay. You know, you know, it's better to get credit for doing less. That's all I've come to discover. I'm just curious, what's your next big goal for the future for running? Oh, my goal was to... Uh, get on Ellen DeGeneres after meeting Nathan. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was to whatever. I was going to be the first. I'm one of the first stem cell transplant recipients in Canada, and there are Americans that, that has had a stem cell transplant that's run the Boston Marathon. So in 2017, when I was in Chicago, I'm like, I'm going to run the world major marathon circuit. I'm going to do all six. And so I nailed uh, Chicago, New York, Boston, um, and was literally approved to run England, which is in April, and Berlin. I was talking to the people at the London England Marathon while we were at Disney in 2019, right? Mike Tyson says everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the mouth. And so all that, all that blew up. Uh, and so to answer your question, COVID kind of threw everything wicked, but I decided I was going to get serious with my health and lost like 10 pounds and started taking some nutritional supplements and doing better and actually have become a much better runner. And so then when we got here, I really felt like God's like, look, you're in the Maritimes. 
Um, oh, this is the thing. So we were in Southwest Ontario, right? There were no races. And to pay $100 to do a race virtually sucks. It just does. It sucked. It sucked. So I get out here and I'm like, hey, no Brunswick's only like a couple hours to Nova Scotia. And um, so it, I had signed up for the virtual Boston and I was like, why did I spend, it was dumb, it's dumb. Like, so I was like kicking myself in the pants, but then I realized there was an actual marathon in Wolfville, Nova Scotia, which is a couple hours from here, um, which was the same day. I'm like, okay, so I can do the virtual Boston and run a marathon. And so because of my health history and being an athlete with disabilities, I reached out to those race people and two girls guided me. Oh, so during that race, my feet bled uh, the second half of the marathon for two hours. I don't know if I had the wrong shoes or whatever. They just bled, bled, bled. So, yeah, but, you know, I ran a Boston qualifier. And so then I'm like, okay, well, time, time kept moving, right? I always wanted to try and do one marathon per year. I'm like, if I can get in a second marathon in November, then the, ten, the the Boston Marathon, which I just ran last week, will be 10 marathons in 10 years after my life-saving stem cell transplant. And it was really cool. I found, a, I have a friend named Phil who lives in Toronto, which is far from here, but his mom and dad lived here. And when I saw him last fall, I'm like, Phil is going to come with me to Boston. So when I found out I was going back to Boston at Christmas, I called him up. I said, you want to go to Boston? He's crying his eyes out, right? Like, blah, blah, blah. And so anyways, I uh, had a seven-minute personal best at Boston. The whole athletes with disabilities thing sort of changed where they were far more specific with who does what. So instead of being the third place mobility impaired athlete in the top Canadian, I was <laughs> on the, the top 18,000 out of 24,000 finishers. Yeah. sound is spectacular, yeah. but I'm always racing against myself anyway. So all I know yeah, is that's that's what we all do. Time. Yeah. But, but yeah. all that to say, um, I wanted to get to 10 marathons in 10 years, which I did that. But then, um, I'm kind of like SpongeBob SquarePants that I just keep poking and annoying people. And so my wife, went, oh, and I took my mom with me to Boston. She had never been to Boston. So that was fun. And so the next part of the road trip, which I'm not sharing on Facebook, but it might come out in this podcast is I've been approved to go to Berlin this September. So excellent. Nice. It'll be 11 marathons since my terminal cancer diagnosis. So that's the thing. I don't know. The goal was the, the world major marathon circuit. And now it's like, yeah. Well, if we can just travel, life doesn't suck. So things kind of change. I don't know. I mean, the difference that most Americans don't realize is there's a lot of races that you can go to. And whereas in Canada, they're like, oh, you just can't do anything. Oh, no, we're doing another virtual race. And I'm like, oh, no, we're not. And so the Maritimes, because they were very tight and locked everybody out, including all those people from Quebec and Ontario, they had races in person. I'm like, it wasn't the reason why we moved here, but I'm like, hey, I can do races. I can do races here. So so, so to answer your question, Jack, I, I'm just really thankful to be alive. And the, the 2017 Boston Marathon, the other really significant part about that was I was given like a 30% chance of living to five years. So my five-year anniversary, my stem cell transplant was around the Boston Marathon. I have like a 25-minute personal best. And so that was my five-year anniversary. So my stem cell transplant anniversary is coming up. I think it's around May 2nd or 3rd. And so, you know, I don't know why. I mean, I got every other date memorized, but that one was a little bit was a little bit overwhelming. Boyd, thanks. Uh, you know, we've been friends for, God, you know, Boyd, it's been, golly, it's been, what, six, seven years. But uh, I've heard the story many times, and I, I never tired of hearing it, and I hope uh, our listeners get something out of it. Very motivational. And we're, and we're glad you're with us. Um, 
anything you want to add here at the end? How about uh, if, if people want to learn more about how they possibly could become a donor, where do they go? So a couple of things. Um, in the U.S. is bethematch.org. In Canada, it's onematch.ca. But statistically, as a white male, my odds of finding a donor were like much, much higher. The ethnic minority communities in America, I'm calling out to you guys. People that I met a girl named Nancy who was half Indonesian and half Caucasian. And for her to find a donor, it was, you thought mine was one in a million, it was like one in a billion. And she ended up having a stem cell transplant from a young Vietnamese man in Boston who saved her life. And so, uh, African-American communities, the, the needs are tremendous. And so people, it's just a, it's literally like a mouth swab, go to be the match.org. You get a thing, you send it back. The odds of getting a call are one in a million. And I mean, if you're asked to save somebody's life, I mean, what is it worth? So, uh, ethnic minorities in America, uh, I'm sure I'm doing be the match.org a service by saying, they are desperate for that. It's not that other people aren't willing to help, but just statistically, when somebody's diagnosed with blood cancer who's a visible minority, their chances of making it are horrendous. All right. Boyd, thanks again. Always a pleasure. It really is. I mean, it's not always a pleasant story, but it's got a great ending. And uh, it's just always good to see. I look forward to seeing you again. Thank you so much. I appreciate Boyd taking the time and joining us. You, you can tell when Boyd gets excited about something. And again, I've known Boyd a couple of years now. He just gets fired up and he gets going. But, you know, he's a highly motivated guy and he's got a motivational story. I left out one story about that 2016 wine and dine half marathon. It was my first half marathon that I had run in, golly, 30 years, maybe more. And, uh, I, I was, I mean, I was unsure that's a long distance. Like many of you who are going to tackle this for the first time. You're not positive till you do it. I pretty quickly though, realized that the training was helping me and I was going to make it. And I crossed that finish line and I'm telling you, and, and I wasn't 10 steps across the line and my phone rang and I looked down and it's Boyd calling me to congratulate me on finishing it. And I've never forgotten that. I mean, it meant a lot to me. I thought it was really cool. And it just, the whole spirit of that running community and uh, helping one another out. I really appreciated that. All right, my friends, episode 29 is coming to a conclusion. I'll remind you that we, as an informal group, will be on Zoom Thursday night at 8 p.m. Eastern time. I'll put the link for the Zoom call on the Facebook group page. We'd love to have you join us. We've had folks pop in just to say hi, just to lurk for a little bit, but this is one of the ways we got to know one another. And this is kind of what the podcast grew out of is some of these meetings. So, Hey, if you got some time, drop in and say, hi, trust me, we'll be happy to see you. And that's going to wrap it up for another week. Thanks again for joining us. Boyd, thanks for spending some time with us. Listeners, thanks for giving us some of your time. We hope your training's going great. Till we meet again, happy running.
Rise and Run podcast discusses general information about Run Disney and is in no way affiliated with Run Disney or the Walt Disney Company. Any information or advice discussed on this podcast should not be considered medical advice and should always consult with your healthcare provider or event organizer.